Thank you for joining us wherever you are. This podcast episode is brought to you by the Old Ways Actual Play Team. This actual play uses the 7th edition Call of Cthulhu tabletop role-playing game rules by Chaosium. This actual play is performed by adults and in an adult setting. While we try very hard to stick to language for all ages, listeners should know that this podcast may include mature themes. All content, including names, places, events, companies, and etc. that may bear resemblance to entities living or dead is strictly coincidental. My name is Michael Diamond, and for tonight's game, I will be your keeper. Thank you for joining us again in another episode of the Old Ways Podcast. I'm your keeper, Keeper Michael, and we return to Horror on the Orient Express. Our investigators are now waiting here on stage with us, and uh, we'll get to introductions and get over to Shay Lorraine. So, to my right. Hello, I'm Mike, and I'm playing Mr. Fraser, who's had a lovely chat with a nice young fellow in the town hall. <laughs> yes, uh, um, let's just say uh, uh, you've shown your flexibility to uh, getting information, Mr. Fraser. Uh, and to his right. Hi, I'm Rena. I play Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy, and uh, I think there's some people eaters wandering around Paris at the moment. You know, I, I don't doubt that at all. Uh, at the end of the table. Hi, I'm Giles, and I'm playing Simon Griffith, and I have candles. Yes. Yes, big red ones. You might be careful lighting them. Uh, not too many on the birthday cake, you understand. Do you have uh, four candles? <laughs> to Mr. Griffiths, right? <laughs> uh, hi, I'm Miranda, and I'm playing Maggie Bellinger, who recently came to a dreadful, dreadful realization about a new friend. Hmm. Yes. Yes, it seems that uh, Guillaume was perhaps maybe not just a, you know, a wounded war veteran. Perhaps he was something more, but uh, more on that later. Last but most certainly not least. I'm Martin, and I'm playing Richard Courtney, and... I don't know what all this talk's about. Everything's just fine and normal, isn't it? I to- I couldn't agree with you more. Everything is perfectly normal. I have no idea what's going on. So moving through the streets of Poissy is, uh, has stiffened your joints a bit, Lady Elizabeth. Uh, the cold here is really starting to dip again. And the soft and gentle snowfall uh, is picked up just a bit. Now, it's not some horrifying uh, American snowstorm, but uh, there is a considerable more snow on the ground than there was when you first arrived a few hours ago. Uh, After your research at the town hall, you've located uh, the address of where you believe uh, the Comte's estate once was, and so you've begun weaving your way through the city streets uh, into the outskirts of town where you come upon uh, what looks like a house that has a house that's maybe on too much land. So the, the mansion itself, this manse, although mansions stretch, it's a fairly large house for this city uh, area. Uh, it is set back probably a few, I would say about just under... I'm going to use a little American distance here, under a quarter of a mile from the, the nearest, uh, we would say, settled part of the city. So it is set back on the outskirts. Uh, it's got a rather large, almost picturesque front, thick coating of ivy 
which is of course dead at the moment. There's no greenery to it. And then around this manse, there's a rather tall fencing, wrought iron, punctuated by spikes every five or so bars. It seems, quite frankly, a bit out of place. It doesn't really match very well with the rest of the town. Well, this seems a little odd. Seems a little like a prison, almost like the um, Sharenton. Well, according to the the map of the town, I think this uh, used to be an abbey. Yes, but uh, abbeys in most places don't usually have spikes on their gates. Even if they did have gates around them, they didn't usually have spikes on them. Perhaps whoever lives here is uh, rather uh, desirous of privacy. You said it's iron, right, Mike? It is, but there there is an iron, there is an iron fencing and, and gate here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the gate is wide open, so it's not locked in any way, shape, or form. It's not; it doesn't bar mm-hmm. you from entry. There is a subsequent stone wall that goes around it as well, almost like an inner fencing, and that seems to be uh, the the brick in that in that in that wall seems to be a largely. Uh, 18th century work that looks far newer than the actual estate itself. You can tell that the land here has been is in this form and shape has been has been around and manicured before and then been left to kind of go. Right? So the wrought iron gate is probably likely something more the Comte's era and the brick is newer. I look at uh, Maggie and like, well, Miss Bellinger, maybe it is intended to keep out your friend. Possibly. it's. I guess it's a good thing we didn't bring him along for the ride. He'd be no use to us now. Uh, there is a fresh bit of smoke rolling out of the chimney, Mr. Fraser. Uh, it appears there is somebody home. So do we have uh, some sort of reason why we are here? I mean, we can hardly go up to the front door and knock on it and, uh, and then stand there like like fools when they open it and ask us what we want. Well, perhaps if we approach and ask something perfectly mundane and ordinary, they wouldn't think much of it. Uh, Weren't we going to uh, find a way to use the professor's device from the outside to see if we could find another entrance or something of that sort or see something? So maybe we didn't need to go inside at all? Ah, certainly worth a go. Um, and if that doesn't work well, we'll go tell them we're doing some research or something. You all hear of something tracking through the snow, the light snow that's in the field here. You can hear boots coming swiftly. And then across your vision, a girl of maybe eight or nine years, uh, bundled up in a coat with no mittens on, uh, her long brown hair tied up in a um, some sort of um, do up to keep it off of her neck. She's red faced, uh, but she has a bright smile and she's balling up the snow in her hands and she's throwing it around the yard. Basically she seems to be having fun. She's probably 30 yards from you. Got to sort of gesture to the others that maybe we should, 
step back out of her uh, line of sight. Yes, let's make ourselves look more suspicious. <laughs> well, do you have something you want, you think we should say? This girl will spot us in a moment. What are you going to say to her when she does? Well, I, I would assume that we would just... Shouldn't we... I liked the Lady Elizabeth's plan that we are doing some research and we could just approach the house. This is not going to work. This is, this is an ill-formed, half, half-baked plan. We don't know what we're going to do when we get there. We don't know what we're going to do when we get in. Um, are you going to use this sextant thing or not? In a moment, we're going to have the decision taken out of our hands when that girl sees us and demands to know what we're doing here. You hear her voice pipe up <laughs> over the cold air. Oh, bonjour. She begins moving towards you. Well, don't say I didn't warn you. She steps up closer, probably within a good, I don't know, five or seven yards. Maggie waves. But look, Maggie, it's another chance for you to practice your French. We <laughs> oui. um. Bonjour, she says to all um, of you. Bonjour. Um, I will try to say uh, in uh, French, uh, my name's uh, Maggie. What's your name? Why don't you uh, give an attempt for us all and see what Je happens? Jamapel Maggie. A2. <laughs> 82? No, I said A2. <laughs> I was like, 82? Oh, no. <laughs> uh, no, I did not. I did not roll an 82, thankfully. Okay, so I didn't roll an 82, I rolled an 81. Ooh. <laughs> uh, she tilts her head at you a little bit. Um, parlez-vous anglais? At this point, Mr. Fraser is going to step in. <laughs> and he's... Uh, a, 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 li- a, a little? Uh, y- yes. She says yes in Perfect. reasonable English. Um, my name's Maggie, um, and I like gesture to myself. Uh, and you? Ah, Kitri. She gestures to herself. That may be too French of a name for Maggie to say. <laughs> I'm gonna call you Katie. Um, <laughs> she screws up her features a little bit, like, huh? <laughs> yes. Hello. Are your uh, your parents home? Oui. Hey, oui. She turns and points to the house. Excellent. Um. Well, uh, we are we, we've we are traveling. We're uh, conducting a research uh, uh, mission trip uh, with the uh, university. Uh, the uh, my my good friend here, uh, Professor Richard Courtney, is with the university, and we are accompanying him on a, uh, a research trip and uh, about the history of this area of France. And uh, we were actually uh, hoping to speak to your parents about the grounds. Whoops, I spoke way too much English for this little girl, I think. Yes, she looks desperately confused. Um, I, I say in French um, that we are here to uh, talk to her parents about some historical research that we're doing. We're writing a book. So um, your French, uh, Lady Elizabeth, is? My French is 47. Fine, I'll let it, I'll let it slide. Mm-hmm. Usually, fluency is about 50, but yeah. Um, So she nods and says, yes, in French, come this way. And she turns around and kind of skips towards the house. People love to read books, so I think we should go with the book thing. Come along. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, for one, am looking forward to getting out of this blasted snow. Now Lady Elizabeth and Fraser can uh, witness the magic that occurred previously in the uh, office at the <laughs> asylum, where we just make up our plan as we go. <laughs> yeah, so Mr. Fraser is at this point just shaking his head and he's considering the fact that he's he's just going to be an audience to this mayhem. <laughs> just, I'm just going to watch and see what happens. You all, uh, you all approach the door. When um, the girl gets close to the door, she opens it up and when she opens it, you see a, a gentleman in... Uh, it's got a bit of a tussled, almost um, blonde and brown hair, almost sandy brown hair. Uh, he's got a big, puffed-up mustache, and uh, he looks—he uh, looks fairly professional. He's got a somewhat outrageous ascot that he's tied around his neck, and a great big collared jacket on. No, oh, I. Uh smile at him and I say in French uh, good afternoon monsieur uh, my name is Lady Elizabeth Fitzroy uh, I'm from uh, England these are my colleagues we're in France doing some research on uh, some aristocrats from prior to the revolutionary area and we've come down in this direction because we believe uh, some of the people that we've been looking up used to live in this area and uh, we were wondering if we could uh, learn anything from you or perhaps see any any remains I believe there used to be an older house here uh, might help us in our research he, and I smile wittingly at him <laughs> he looks um, a bit shocked that there are five people on his doorstep um, but he says uh, oh uh, we uh, uh, come right in his English is fairly good. Ah, thank you very much. Mm, indeed, indeed. Uh, I, I, I do not have a, a member of service, so please let me uh, uh, take your coat or hat uh, as uh, he gestures deeper into the. You see that the main floor here, which, of course, unbeknownst to him, you have the plans for. Um, so you can see where he's going to likely put you, which is. Uh, into uh, a sitting room he he mentions to you if you just go around there to uh to your left uh, there's a room we can all uh perhaps uh, uh perhaps uh, have some coffee or tea i can put some on tea would be lovely thank you mm, mm. if it's yes, not please. too much trouble oh, of course not come in from come in from the cold this house is um well it's it's wonderfully warm um while the uh, house is perhaps a uh, a bit simple from uh, from your uh, normal standard lady elizabeth uh, it is a home that feels lived in and there is there is something that is almost uh, envious in you when it comes to that there aren't cold hallways it's it's there are warm fires you can smell what smells like fresh bread it's a lovely home and uh, I gratefully rub my poor, frozen, stiff <laughs> fingers. Yes, yes, please. Uh, he goes around the corner with all of you and says, so "Please, there's a uh, take a seat. Uh, let let me get uh, get you something." He he's back in 
relative speed with uh, a tray which has uh, service on it, coffees and uh, coffee and, and tea as well. Um, and then there's even uh, what look like sweet rolls and cheese. It's very uh, attentive to what you might need. You are most hospitable, thank you. We don't get many guests such as yourself, uh, Milady. Milady, yes? Uh, yes. Okay, all right. I apologize. I've, I've not spent much time around um, uh, the aristocracy. Uh, we, uh, we have our own uh, history with it, you understand. Uh, yes, I've been learning quite a bit about that recently. Um, and and uh, and all of you, uh, he gestures to the rest of you. Uh, uh, you are? He points at you, Maggie. Oh, uh, yes. My name is uh, Miss Maggie Bellinger. Uh, I'm actually from the United States. Bellinger? It, is it not Bellinger? Uh, well, <laughs> um, in the States, they all pronounce it uh, Bellinger, but I, it does seem like it comes from the French, yes. So you've come back home. Wonderful. He extends <laughs> a sweet roll to you. <laughs> Why, thank you. Uh, yes, I am enjoying the, the countryside here. Hmm. As you should, as you should. Um, uh, so, uh, Lady Elizabeth, these are your... Uh, this is your, your party? Yes, these are uh, some colleagues. Uh, Professor... Courtney here from one of our universities, and uh, Miss Bellinger is helping me with some research. My personal assistant, Mr. Fraser, uh, and our colleague, uh, Mr. Griffith, who is also from America. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, what... Uh, he sits back in the chair a little bit, kind of tries to relax. Uh, the... Uh, uh, my wife... Uh, Veronique is uh, upstairs. She's uh, she's not feeling well. Uh, so, uh, what can I assist you with? Well, we were led to believe that there used to be uh, another home, perhaps a, a mansion of some sort uh, on the grounds, uh, belonged to a, a, a comte of, of some kind, and uh, we were hoping we could see any any of the remnants, or at least where where it stood. Hmm. Um, not that I'm aware. I, I don't know of anything. I mean, when my family built this estate, there was nothing but uh, a hill here. The, 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 there was a fence from uh, from you know before the rain, but uh, we just uh, we took over the house when my father passed, and we haven't looked back since. You see, his daughter uh, is kind of circling the room a little bit going from person to person like trying to be the dutiful like servant and giving people things that they need whether it's you know lemon for their tea or whether it's milk for coffee so when she when she um, pours a little milk in my my tea I kind of wink at her and uh, out of my pocket a, a boiled sweet will be surreptitiously slipped into her hand <gasps> She very, almost slyly cups it, like, under her hand. And I'm just kind of uh, put my finger to my lips. I mean, you, you've seen you've seen worse from from a street urchin in London. She's She's got 
her uh, her skills down pat. She knows how to palm a sweetie. <laughs> yes. Uh, she stops when you give her that, and she seems to tuck it into an area of the basket that she has. Uh, and uh, she heads back into the kitchen for a moment. So I, I'm sorry, uh, milady. I I don't know of um, I don't know of anything the, about this. Unfortunately, I wish I could be more help. Is there perhaps a, a cellar or a basement uh, or anything of that nature where we might, may find some of the original work or anything of that nature? Hmm. He seems to sit back and smooth his mustache a bit. Why don't you all give me spot hidden rolls? The child comes back in the room just a moment later. and uh, I was actually going to ask if I can make a psychology roll. <laughs> yes, um, spot him first, but then we can follow up if sure. you like. Yep. 33 under 53. Uh, 7 under 25. Ooh. 60 uh, over 43. That is a fail. They got good coffee, son. I failed. That's the second spot hidden I failed in the last two sessions. 38 uh, under 60. So I'm going to give this one to, to Maggie because I feel like she's done fairly well there. Maggie, you see on his left hand, there's a particularly nasty scar that runs up his hand and then disappears under his sleeve. I mean, it's, hmm. it's pretty vicious. I mean, if what it reminds you of is... Um, it reminds you of, of a, a rancher who has come across some barbed wire and had a bad run-in with it. Mm. Your uh, psychology role, Mr. Fraser? Yeah, absolutely. What, what are you attempting yeah. to discern? Um, I basically, this is the property of somebody who, who was um, rather unpleasant um, and back in the day um, and it's possible that because of the, the nature of, of them, I'm kind of thinking of them as a sort of a Marquis de Sade sort of figure, and perhaps they had followers, perhaps their followers had descendants, perhaps. Um, perhaps there is... Uh, I'm just a little bit concerned that maybe maybe this guy isn't um, a, an innocent doctor who just coincidentally happens to be living in, uh, on the site. So, perhaps he's um, doing a bit of family cover-up. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, that's um, reasonable. So go ahead. So, yeah. Yeah, that's 40 over 40, under 40, on 40. <laughs> very well. Uh, you get a very genuine read on this gentleman who's introduced himself to you as Christian. Um, mm. he, he does not feel like he gives uh, an off-putting air or that he's attempting some cover-up. Okay. He seems uh, naturally um, genial and... Uh, quite frankly, he's probably just interested anybody showed up that didn't doesn't live in Poissy. Generally, generally friendly and welcoming. Then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, if you would uh, give me a, a moment, uh, Milady, I can go and, and ask my wife. Uh, perhaps she knows uh, something more. If you would be so kind, we've, we're really interested in, in the history. You understand. No, no, uh, I, I, I do understand. There's much history uh, uh, here, but uh, I just hope that uh, I can be of some help. You, she has been uh, infirm a bit today, the cold. Uh, she has terribly uh, difficult arthritis, and uh, 
Uh, she's going to rest, so he gets up. I understand. My sympathies. Mm, indeed. He nods and sets his cup down. Um, I, I will, uh, I will see if I, uh, she will speak. Uh, she's taking a mild sedative, uh, but uh, I shall return. When the doctor leaves, the attention and amplification on his daughter goes up to 11. She becomes a carnival of, let me show you this. Did you know that I can do this? Uh, and she wants to show, particularly you, Mr. Fraser, like all of her dollies and her horses. She, has a, she actually has a quite beautiful carved wooden horse set. This is wonderful, yes. And what's her name? And I'll, I'll kind of be very sort of attentive. And, she uh, um, taps each one. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are four of them. And she says, um, this is, um, this was given to me by my grandfather. Oh. You see that there are blue, big blue flowers that adorn each one of them, mostly on their hindquarters. It looks like it's hand stenciled in, like hand painted in uh, the lines. The, the Painting is, is done fairly well as uh, too. She's pretty. Do you have any horses? Oh, um, well, I don't have any horses myself, but um, but um, uh, her ladyship there, her uh, her brother has a lot of horses, and uh, my my very good friend looks after them. Mm-hmm. She turns to you, Lady Elizabeth. Steps over with her horses. Do your horses look like this? Oh, they're not quite as beautiful as those. Although, uh, I have spent a lot of time with them and they're quite fun. May I see? Mm, indeed. She passes it to you. You hear movement in the rest of the house. And, uh, Christian comes back down. Um, my wife reminded me that we received a letter. Perhaps, uh, you would like a look at it? She only reminded me of this because it, uh, it it made no sense at the time. Truly. He fishes out uh, a letter from an envelope and hands it to you, uh, Lady Elizabeth. Oh, messy. So the details of this letter are rather striking. The letter details... Uh, it, it isn't named. And so you don't get a name at the end. At number 50, Rue Saint-Étienne, Lausanne, Switzerland. To whom it may concern, I realize that I am a complete stranger and that this letter may well mean nothing to you. My name is Edgar Wellington, and I am researching the history of a statue known most commonly as the Sedevkar Simulacrum. I recently came into possession of an old scroll, which presents an intriguing description of the item. This piqued my interest, and I am now endeavoring to trace the simulacrum. My search has led me to your address. The name is probably meaningless to you, but through my researches, I have learned that the last recorded resting place of the piece of art was in the house that occupied your land in the late 18th century. The statue was a unique Arabian artifact lost during the events of 1789. Its last owner was a German nobleman who once lived where you live today. Please, I ask that if you have heard any local stories regarding this item, or maybe found any traces of the old house and its possessions on your land, which might give a clue as to the eventual fate of the object, 
would you be so kind as to write to me with a summary of the information? I apologize for the rather strange nature of my request, but I feel that I should pursue whatever leads remain to me. I hope that you will not go to any great length regarding this. Yours most sincerely, Edgar Wellington. Christian puts his palms up, and he says, uh, It made no sense to myself or my wife. We had not heard of anything such as this Arabian statue. But uh, because it mentioned something uh, about the noble lands here, uh, she thought it, it might be something connected to what you were looking at. Yes, thank you. This is quite interesting. So it does uh, confirm there used to be another dwelling here of some sort. Uh, would you mind terribly if we had a, a look around the grounds a, a little bit just to see if we can find any remains or anything of that sort? Uh, assuming your home wasn't built on top of the remains of the old one. Mr. Fraser, the, the girl bumps into your arm. The one that is holding the teacup. The teacup spills onto her arm and all over your lap. And she begins screaming like a demon has possessed her as hot coffee is all over her. I'm, 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 I'm most terribly sorry. How, how, how awfully clumsy of me. I do apologize. I'm trying to, uh, uh, oh, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm, 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 I don't know what to say. I'm, he's, my... he's up in a flash going to get a cloth and then he gathers her up and says, no, it's, it's, it's all right. Come, Some come cold on. water. I, I, yes. yes, yes, yes. He brings her towards a, a bathroom and and uh, you can hear him in there running the water over her arm, and she's crying and, and screaming as he tries to, to console her. I just mop, mop my um, my lap down. Use a um, if there's like a, a napkin. That's it. Um, just kind of pat myself down. <sighs> Sorry about that. Um, he comes back and uh, sets the child down in a nearby chair with a, that cloth damp cloth over her arm and you can see the skin on her left arm is beginning to redden oh my, quite a bit my, my dear Kitri uh, I'm, I'm terribly terribly sorry about that uh, I, I'm really I'm a most, a most clumsy old fool I really am um, you see the father still a little uh, trying to settle himself he, he sits back down but he's now sitting up I, I do not mind if you uh, if you search the grounds. Um, <laughs> I confess we have we have not prepared the, the garden yet with the snow, so uh, there is uh, much work to be done. But uh, if you would uh, care to look around, you are you are welcome to it. He seems to now more be a little focused on on Kitri. Um, should we uh, take a look then? Yes, let's make our leave and uh, let him take care of Kittery. Yes. I, uh, is, is there anything I can I can do to to, to make amends? Uh, no. Uh, I hope your daughter isn't badly hurt. So. I uh, I don't I don't think so. He he studies the burn a little bit uh, more intently. You see him lift the damp cloth off of her and begins inspecting the wound. I, I have a, a, a burn cream I, I will attend to her with after the skin has cooled a bit here. You can see that she's definitely in some discomfort. Oh, the poor wee mite. 
I'll, I'll, I'll go out, outside with my companions and... and uh... You all head outside uh, and you begin... Well, you, first you get that next breath of, uh, you know, cool air. The uh, snow still falling. So where are you going to search? It's possibly around the foundation of the house to see if there's any indications of a cellar or something underground. Okay. Just my thoughts. We could split up and, and look in different areas. We could. The estate is a somewhat sizable. It's not a massive rolling estate like, say, Maplebrook was, but uh, the house is big and the estate land that it's on, that fenced area, is considerably large. Are there any outbuildings? Mm, no. Uh, <laughs> you do You do see a pond, Maggie. Uh-huh. Is the snow lying? Oh, um... I suppose we wouldn't call it that here in the U.S. I mean, is it is it sticking? Yeah, is there like a coating of snow uh, um, on the ground? It's pretty light. You would imagine that uh, if the temperature was just a bit higher, that it probably wouldn't be snow at all. It might be a mist. Okay. Richard will just look for any depressions in the ground, uh, any areas that seem to be lower than the rest of the moraine. Oh, the, the pond out back of the house that you somewhat spied a bit on the way in is uh, is definitely lower than the rest of the grounds. Sunken, is it? Yeah, a bit. Mm-hmm. Probably a good... There's probably a good, I don't know, three or four meter difference between the heights there. Oh, wow. Mr. Uh, Mr. Griffith, uh, you're, you're a, a miner, are you not? Um are you able to tell from looking at the lie of the land if there's any uh, subsidence, uh, subsidence, uh, um, uh, whether there's perhaps some sort of uh, underground structure that? Uh, whether, you know, do, do, do you know what I'm, I'm, I'm driving at? Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure I can have a good eye for that. Now, the difference is, is if you have a pond at the bottom, you know. Most people don't want to build their home at the bottom of a hill because when it rains, where does all the water go? Aye, aye, quite. So you generally want to build on top of a hill, which is where you also get your basements. So, um, Mike, I'd like to make a geology roll. Yeah, if you, what are, I guess, what would be the aim of your geology roll then? Well, I'm trying to determine what features here are natural and what may have been um, worked on by man-made. Yeah, go ahead. 11 under 40. Okay, so hard success. Um, That pond is quite definitively man-made. You can just tell by the way it's been shaped, especially near the far end of it. Uh, This is a a water feature. It might look like a quote-unquote natural pond, but you know better. Someone formed that. Uh, And maybe, maybe... Um, it took some care to it, but you, you also get a feeling like as you look at the pond, the right hand side of it has been moved in, moved away from the house. So maybe at one point there was a depression here, but they filled in portions of it to shore up, to keep the water table from entering, uh, to getting too close to the house. I would say that there's about 
uh, from the back end of the house to the pond, there is probably a 40-yard difference. And where it would have normally landed would have been more like a 30-yard difference. So they put about 10 yards of dirt in between. Mr. Fraser, so our pond here is man-made. It probably was a gentleman's pond for part of a garden or something like that. Definitely has been worked by hand. And here we're seeing um, that they moved things, they moved out the hill to cover up something. Um, so either it's to push out for, because they wanted to keep the water table preserved, or they may have been covering something else too. Well, is, it, is it worth having a wee closer look at that then, do you think? It's possible. Mike, does it look like there's enough space underneath the house? The house is on the hill, correct? Yeah, it is a. There's about three or four meters of difference. So, not with three or four meters, there's enough for a ten-story basement of some sort, or rooms. A one-story basement, not a ten-story basement. <laughs> ten-story well, basement. Sorry, that's <laughs> okay. I knew what <laughs> you meant, but just for clarity, I thought, oh wow, that's, that's pretty deep. Towers <laughs> of the earth. <laughs> a a ten-foot ceiling basement. Yeah, more or less. You would also know, given the differences that in between Europe and the U.S. Now, Mr. Fraser, it looks like we do have a basement of some sort down here. I suppose the next question is, how does one get into it? Well, if I had my tools, I could just go ahead and uh, dig around. I mean, also, you know, we could uh, we could open a, an entrance, but I'm not sure that the owners would appreciate it. Well, um, do you think there is a an external entrance somewhere out, you know, out here in the grounds? It's possible. I, I was thinking that it would be more if, if if this house is built on the foundations of, of the original um, structure, then there would surely be some way in, in inside the house itself. I mean, I'm not for one moment proposing that we go in and we start taking a, a, a crowbar to the uh, to the floorboards of the house to find out what's underneath it. But um, I mean, it's where not do a we even? Well, the gentleman of the house seemed very reasonable. If we explained to him what we found, he very well might let us try to find entrance. I don't know. Not with his wife uh, feeling poorly and his daughter just got burned. I doubt he's going to want us wrecking down the floor in the kitchen or something. I think I've Um, outstayed my welcome in that house, to be perfectly honest. I I don't think you did, to be honest, but I don't think we have enough uh, leverage to ask to rip up floorboards. Now to poke around in the dirt around here, I think we can. Uh, anyone, any any skeletons swimming? Um, I, I think Lady Elizabeth had a a good idea earlier on. Maybe if I can find somewhere a little um um out of out of view of the house, I could uh, maybe see what the device can show me. Well, that's a great idea, Professor. So here, at this point right here by the pond between the house, you can see, as I said, they pushed it out 10 feet, right? So if you can see into the past with your your time machine here, then why don't you go ahead and see why it was pushed out? What was there before? Hmm. Yes. So is there somewhere that's a bit more secluded, so I'm not going to just stand sort of outside the kitchen window and... um, Yeah. <laughs> Right in their garden, and you're going to tune it up. Um, So, yeah, 
there there is a bit of foliage here and there is uh, there are some trees uh, that make up the back area of the home uh, and so if you put yourself say between the pond and the house behind a couple of these trees you're fairly certain that if someone was staring out the back window you know provided there were provided you had the the cover of your fellow uh, investigators you might be able to use the mask and not have an issue so I'll, I'll say to the others um these trees appear to provide um a reasonable degree of cover um perhaps you could um maybe busy yourselves a little further over there and he just points sort of um further upstream as it were from the trees and um i'll uh, i'll be 5 minutes uh, mr courtney I, I think perhaps it would not be uh, unwise for someone to remain by your side just in case um i got I, this yes yes that would be um that would be fine so richard heads over to a tree hmm indeed take the case out mm. you uh unfurl the sextant begin going over its uh clasps and then unfastening it to open it it's been a while since you've had your hands uh, on it and so you're you're a little eager so what do you do with it so richard selects um the same pair of lenses he used last time okay and he draws it to his face um he's going to sit down just behind one of the trees give himself a little bit of uh um support there for his back and uh pop it on okay so you're using left side pink right side yellow and then right side black yes I think that's what it was I, I'm fairly certain that's what it was yes and now you need to make me a power roll yep so this time what Richard's going to do is very much try and sort of ease himself into it he's going to relax and just uh, yeah take it slow and he rolls a 12 which is uh, definitely an extreme success you ease yourself into it uh, you feel the sextant adhere to your face you feel the slow press of the other lens arms around your face and your vision is awash with color there is a deep and hard feeling in the center of your chest it's almost as if someone's put a, a sack of grain on your stomach and it's pressed you down to the ground mm -hmm. and you lay back as if you were going to fall into bed although there is no bed and you exist in this position for several moments as the winter snow in Poissy fades from your vision. What replaces it are torches. A row of them. Six. As French soldiers march through the gate that you'd come through. They march down this row. Now, for you, in present day, you know, having taken the path, it was a simple dirt road. It has been replaced by an elegant stonework 
path that leads to a wondrous pond. And near that pond, they continue to march. You can hear violins and what sounds like the play of a harpsichord in the distance. And you hear revelers, you hear people having fits of emotional outbursts of a wide range of experiences. Everything from the height of orgasmic pleasure to the depths of pain and terror. They, they keep saying the same thing over and over again. Whether it's pain or pleasure, you continue to hear the Comte's title. And these French soldiers pass from your vision left to right, and you watch them head into this gateway that goes into the earth this stone and protected gateway and they using their clamps and crowbars rip the gates open so where do these noises come from in relation to what i would know as the pond in the in the current day they're coming from the estate okay you stand back up and you turn right and see a wondrous estate a beautiful french man of the era And you can see there in the windows, the revelers, men, women, having their way with themselves and each other. The firelit parties. And that's when you start to hear the cannon fire. And where are the cannons coming from? Somewhere within the city. They must be coming from Poissy somewhere. Not directed at the uh, the estate or anything? It doesn't appear so. Good. More troops begin pouring in the estate gate. There must be a, a whole squad of them. Based on what Simon described, um, so he mentioned this pond, and then sort of ten foot uh, behind it, there was a uh, an earth embankment sort of thing. So what what's in that sort of area? Um, in the pond area, there appears to be a ring of statue pieces mm-hmm. although they don't seem to be any statues to to people they seem to be more creatures several of them are in a ghastly state one might say this is a bit eccentric and one might say it's beyond such a state sort of looking further towards the house what is there between the pond and the house well now there are soldiers rushing into the house through this back door armed with sabers and rifles you begin hearing shouting this is now not revelry this is what sounds like combat so if I was to make an intelligent guess this sounds like the uh, the raiding of the mansion that was referred to in the thing that we found in the library. It does. Yeah. And if nothing else, if there is no other clear vision of something like that, you begin to see curtains lit. Mm-hmm. You hear exasperated voices. You hear screams of terror from the soldiers below. 
And is it obvious where the basement would be? Um, let me explain what I'm thinking. So there's currently a house on a hill, the new house um, from the, the modern day. We're looking back in time here. So where is the estate in relation to the house? And, and we've been looking for a basement. So is it sort of obvious where that, that could be? It's fairly obvious. I mean, you could walk right over to it. I'll do that. Okay. So for those of you outside of the vision, Professor Courtney places the mask on. And there is almost, for Simon anyway, there is a snap hiss when this thing adheres to his face. It seems like a steam engine almost. And it whirs to life as the lenses begin moving into position. It attaches to him as if it was a crab. The lenses clamp down on the sides of his face. And when he looks out over the scene, lights come out of the front of it. And they're different colors. Pink mixed with yellow and then a darker shade. And his body curls back as if he was a caterpillar and he holds himself there in this inexorable position you've never seen anyone do not even gymnasts and then moments later he stands back to attention and begins walking this almost uh, fantastical mask attached to himself he's going somewhere now so if um, if I'm uh, aware of what he's doing and, and uh, the fact that he's kind of moving away from the, the area where he was standing, which was kind of more discreet, um, I'll see if I can kind of walk over to catch up with him to see where it is he's headed off to. Well, I'm definitely following him. Watching him wear this is unsettling. The sextant continues to move and adjust as he moves. The lenses move left and right. The ones which do not appear to be directly over his eyes, they move to adjust on his face. It's almost as if it's trying to compensate for him moving. Yeah, I'm, I'm deliberately not looking at this thing because I just don't like it at all anyway. If he wants to stick it on his own face, then that's his own business. But uh, I, should, I don't want to have to look at it. Maggie, what are you doing? Maggie would probably be kind of following in suit but I don't I don't want to interrupt anything <laughs> that's going on because I, I just kind of want him to do his do his thing okay Lady Elizabeth yeah. yeah I'm following keeping an eye on how he's reacting to things like making mental notes but uh just waiting to see where he goes okay if I, I mean I feel like I would I would intervene if he was going to go in the water that's what I was about to say I mean if, <laughs> but, if Simon's but as not long as he it, is not in danger then I mean I suppose it's possible he's, he's kind of walking not not knowing where he's walking whether there's kind of yeah. obstacles in, in front of him or anything. actually actually Mr. Fraser you're fairly certain that he doesn't know where he's walking he almost seems as if he's a, a blind man mm -hmm. unaware of his surroundings I'll shoot a glance across to, to Simon as well and just kind of m motion my head towards him just to, to sort of 
point that point this out if he hasn't already clocked it, if he hasn't isn't already making sure that he doesn't sort of trip up and hurt himself. Mr. Griffith seems like he's been keeping a pretty close eye on him. He hasn't um, had to move to uh, to adjust the professor's path, but you can also see that the professor is stepping over things that are not. There's there's nothing not there in his path. Yeah. Professor, you step over the uh, stone pathway, the uh, the bit that's been built up to make it a true pathway. You have to get over to get out of the path to see down into this. Mm-hmm. And you can see down into this tunnel, this area beneath. And you watch as five men, five men drag a bloodied but eloquently dressed French man out in chains. And it takes all five of them these thick, heavy chains in hand to keep him in order as he bucks against it. So based on what Richard's experienced before, he doesn't really want to go too much further into here. I'm going to say physically. I, I know what I mean, and, and he probably does do. Um, but he's almost going to try and project himself, so sort of think his way into this this place where uh, what looks like the Comte has just come out, just to see if he can sort of do this in a in an almost spirit-like fashion. Sure, give me a power roll. Uh, that's 38, so that's a hard success. Okay. So, spend 10 points of magic. Ouch. There we go. Um, your hand reaches up, and you reach for another lens. You need to see another part of this. And when you reach up, you feel something prick your hand as the lens you reach for is cracked. You don't know if it'll work, but you try it anyway, because there's no reason not to, you figure. Absolutely. You wrench the lens down over the black lens, and you feel your body shudder. Everyone who's watching this scene play out, you see the professor reach up and make an adjustment. He pulls ever so carefully one of these additional lenses off the side of his face and moves it into position. And when he does, you can see him cut himself. It's fairly obvious. And the blood from his finger runs over his face as he tries to get it into position. And you watch his body begin to get slightly transparent. And now you all make sand rolls. Bro. <laughs> oh my. Oh lord. Uh, oh, hard sweet. success for me. Yeah, you got mm-hmm. a six. Okay. Against 66. Oh, very helpful. The dice gods are kind to me. 47 under 61. 10 under 51 good all right so um oh yes richard let's not forget you i was gonna ask about that (laughs) 
And that's 25. And uh, 71. Right. Very good. On a pass, Richard, you will lose four sanity. That's not too bad. I hate to think what that would have been otherwise. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to know. So uh, the rest of the crew will lose three. As um, you see something which your brain believes is impossible happen in front of your eyes. The moment passes just as soon as your brain and heart realize that it's happened. The professor is solid again. In the last moment, Richard, this blood-soaked nobleman is brought within a whisper of your body. And you can see his twisted and sadistic grin as his eyes lock with the lenses of the mask. And you feel the mask disengage from your face. And does Richard find himself back in uh, the present time? Yes, you do. Um, you are you are in front of a well, a, a bit of a hill. Um, so probably largely unaware of what's gone on, Richard's just going to um, point in the direction uh, where the uh, the entryway was, the gate where he saw the uh, uh, the comte being exfiltrated. That's a good word, um, and say it's it's over there. That's there. There was a gate, a gateway there. Used um, um, some sort of entryway or, or into a basement, I think. Whereabouts exactly? Um, points in the direction of the gate. Uh, Professor, you sort of uh, went transparent for a moment. Um, what what happened? I was attempting to move outside of the normal physical realm. Why? Um, did her, her eyes light up? What what did you observe? <laughs> Uh, Richard's genuinely very interested at this point. You have a massive headache, Richard. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you just sort of went see-through for a brief moment after walking over here, and it was was like I could see straight through you, and then you were back. It's fantastic. Yes. It's it's quite all right, your ladyship. Uh, This Professor Courtney knows exactly what he's doing with this machine. Isn't that right, sir? That's what you told me, wasn't it? Yes, indeed. It, it well, was my are. intent to uh, to do that, and it, it seems to have had just that effect. Well, we shall have to discuss this uh, when we are back in Paris. I want to hear all about it. Yes, indeed. In the meantime, shall we find a torture dungeon? Yes, it's 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 over there. I, I believe Simon has... Um, Sight into maybe how we can get in. I'm looking at the area he's pointing at. What do I see? You see what is likely maybe not a man made hill per se, but uh, we'll say an exaggeration. Um, there's quite a bit of dirt here that needs to be moved, but I mean, a couple of strong backs and some tools shouldn't be too bad. You said dirt, not rock, right? Uh huh. Mr. Fraser or Miss Maggie? You mind, uh, would either of you mind borrowing a couple shovels from the good doctor up there? Uh, I'll go. Perfect. 
You go back up to the house, Mr. Yeah, Fraser. Back up to the house and sort of knock on the door. Uh, Christian answers it. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Bonjour. I, I'm, I, I'm terribly uh, sorry to disturb you again. Um, you wouldn't happen to have a, a, a shovel or two we could borrow, would you? Uh, we? Um, ha- have you found something? We think we might have, possibly, yes. We're not quite sure. We, we just want to check it out first. It, it may be nothing. Oh, um, uh, very well. Yes, um, in the shed. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll fetch them. Uh, that's quite all right. I'll, 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 I'll get them if you if you want to point the way or or um, if you want to show me where it is. That's... Gives you directions to the shed. Thank you. How is how is your wee girl? Is she feeling a wee bit better? Yes, uh, we've we've uh, we put some cream in a bandage on it, and uh, she seems to be re- recovering well. Uh, probably in time for dinner. Oh, good. I'm I'm glad to glad to hear that. Yes, yes. Hope she wasn't too upset. No, just. Excited. We don't. Uh, we don't get many guests. Aye, well, she's a she's a very charming wee girl. Thank you. And so I'll, I'll head over to the to the shed and uh, and get whatever we've got there. Um, if there's a pickaxe there as well, I'll maybe bring that along just in case. Just in case. Yep, you find several shovels, a pickaxe, probably uh, quite a bit of uh, garden tools. I'll maybe um, I'll maybe stick um, uh, a fork, a pickaxe, a couple of shovels in a wheelbarrow if there's a wheelbarrow there, and just kind of wheel it down the down the path towards them. Yep, you do so. You arrive back at the uh, this area of the estate. Well, um, here I've I brought this. Hopefully, uh, some of this should be useful. Uh, I'll just get my sleeves rolled up then, shall I? As the friend or Jim, you take one of the shovels here. I got the other one, and the pickaxe is for when we come across for some roots. And let's break this sucker down. All right. Well, I'm no I'm no stranger to a, a bit of hard work in the garden. Okay. So, is anyone else going to help these two gentlemen with their yard work? Uh uh-uh. uh No. I'm I'm not going to be the most useful. So I'm standing there with my my cane, supervising. I'm management. I say so your project project manager. <laughs> I would be chatting with um, Lady Elizabeth. I'm thinking just the two of us, to be honest. Um, we're we're big burly guys. We're going to be tossing dirt, and you know, the professor would only get in the way. So what song is playing in the background of this montage? Mm, Men point. at work. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so I guess what I'd like out of the two of you is uh, just I'm not going to make you make any um, skill rolls per se, but I think I would. I think it's fair to make a constitution roll. Because this is going to be quite exerting. Well, speaking as someone who was out in the garden with a pickaxe today, <laughs> I know exactly how exerting it is. Sick. 61 under 90, and yes, I'm very skilled with a pickaxe. I had to clear uh, three foot by six foot trench pits for archaeology with a pickaxe. <laughs> All right. What are you looking for? Uh, Constitutional. Well, that's a zero three under 85. So the two of you work, and um, Mr. Fraser, particularly for you, it feels good to get back to doing something you feel like you can have an effect over, a direct effect. You know, maybe being in the trenches those years taught you a few things about excavating, right? Um, when you have to. I don't want to talk about it. I know. 
but you want to think about it because your brain's got nothing else to do. Um, you get quite a bit of earth cleared in, say, an hour or two. Richard, you use this time to sit in on the wheelbarrow um, because you are flat exhausted from what you've done. I think Richard will probably pull out his little notebook and start making notes of uh, of what happened. But after about three hours of work. Mike, I was going to say, can I use this time to ask Lady Elizabeth a question as well? Yes, go right ahead. Perfect. Thank you. Um, uh, Lady Elizabeth, um, you uh, uh, educated me on uh, ghouls. You're uh, certain they don't go after the, the living, correct? Well, generally they prefer the dead, but uh, there's... Nothing in particular to stop them from making a living person dead. I'm curious if there may be some of those hates that Mr. Griffith um, talks about uh, around here. It, it seems strange to me that uh, the lady of the house is, is ill and um, then the uh, child gets uh, hurt um, quite a bit while we're here. And, and then I'm not sure if you saw, but the gentleman had a, a very large scar on his head arm in his hand hmm. perhaps they just have a string of bad fortune but um, I would be worried with what their house is sitting upon that there's something uh, worse dwelling here yes uh, I don't quite believe in the concept of luck but uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there was some sort of negative presence hanging around uh, considering what we've read of the Comte. Perhaps there's even a ghoul down there. Who knows? Perhaps. They, we should be careful as we go ahead. <laughs> it was just a thought that I had that um, I felt that I should bring up with you. I I don't believe in luck either. After a good several hours of work, you, Mr. Mr. Fraser, your shovel hits steel. I think we found something. Quite a cacophony. And uh, after working at the dirt a little bit more, you see an old steel door. What have we here? Looks like a door to me, sir. Ah, indeed. It seems uh, your wee uh, jaunt has uh, borne fruit, Professor. Yes. Do, Do you believe me now? Well, I believe you led us to the right place. He might have been possessed, Jim. Uh, is, is the door locked? Well, uh, not at first inspection, no. Um, actually, your concern straight away, Simon, is that fact that the door looks like it may be rusted. Well, shit. I'm thinking here, uh, Jim, if this door is rusted, we've got a problem. Now, what's the frame made of? Is the frame also steel or is the frame wood or something else? Uh, no, it does appear to be a, a steel frame as well. Shit. It must be bedded in somewhere, somehow. Um, is there any kind of a... Um, uh, like a, a, a bolt or um, a kind of a, a keyhole or anything like that in it? Uh, there is a keyhole, yeah. Um, but the keyhole itself is filled with dirt and rocks yeah. at this point. Sure. Uh, <sighs> You're figuring you need a 
A strong back and a strong crowbar, maybe. Hmm. Right, I'll go up and see if I can find a crowbar in that uh, in that shed up, up the ways. Simon, you figured the dynamite could open the door, but maybe it's not the best idea. Um, I know the dynamite would open the door, but I am also know it's not the best idea. There's too many people around here. <laughs> so that's a last-ditch resort. Um, well, uh, I'm going to let Jim go up and get the crowbar. I'm going to start taking the uh, the spike end of the pickaxe and seeing what I can do with the hinges. If nothing else, I intend to start breaking some of the rust of it off. Okay. Yeah, um, Mr. Fraser, you go up and uh, you do find uh, a small crowbar. It may be enough to get the job done. Uh, I'll have a look around and see if there's anything else that I can that might be a little bit more uh, uh, heavy duty, a bit more sort of practical for levering this thing open. Why don't you give me a luck roll, sir? Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking as well, potentially, you could even maybe just take the head off the, the pickaxe and, and use that as a lever. It's my luck just now. Okay. Oh, that's another 10 under 55. Would you look at that? Uh, not only is there a heftier crowbar in here, you also find a wedge. Oh, that'll come in handy. I'll see if I can find a sledgehammer too. Um, Not a 10 pound, as we would call it here, but you find a, a hand sledge. That'll do. I'll uh, gather these uh, useful items together and head down the hill. All right. Um, Simon returns with uh, quite a few tools that seem to be very useful. Perfect, sir. Um, Let's go ahead and we're going to take that wedge. You're going to put it by the lock. So we're going to shatter this lock first. Um, It should go if it's rusted. Right. Okay. Right, I'll hold, uh, I'll hold this uh, in my hand, and you hit it. All right, Simon, give me a hard strength roll. That would be a ninety-seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard, just in the wrong way. Is that a fumble? As I would hit oh, Mr. One, Fraser's hand with the, the mini sledge. Do not sledge. tell me that's a fumble, please, God. Oh, when I no, said, oh, yeah. I'll hold it in my hand and you hit it, I didn't mean hit my hand. <laughs> it, it, it isn't so much the the role you have to worry about. It's the hand of fate that's going to play a part as well. Oh, my God. No. Um, and uh, Professor you Courtney, bring... can you come here and help? <laughs> Simon, you pull back on the sledge. And you've got it lined up eye perfect. And you know that if you can pop this directly, that you'll just, the door will come right off. There'll be a, there'll be the exact hit that you need. Uh, and you swing down that silver colored sledgehammer and you impact into the left hand of Mr. Fraser. So roll damage plus your strength bonus. Oh no. Uh, yeah, an expletive comes out of Mr. Fraser's mouth that you probably haven't ever heard before. I'm going to let you roll those, just like last time. Oh, you want me to roll it? Yes. I don't know how much damage this mini sledge oh, you're is going to do. You're going to let the, the the keeper roll damage to my hand. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good idea to me. Um, so what's your damage bonus, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Griffith? 
1d4. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Very well. You can both uh, uh, thank uh, Rena. These are my birthday dice. Are oh. we also thanking her for the hand of fate? Uh, no. no. <laughs> uh, so, Mr. Fraser, why don't you go ahead and take six damage? Ah! Ah, oh, yeah! Bastard! Your left hand is the bones shatter. You can hear them shatter. There's like, oh, in the name oh, of the oh, wee man! Jeez! Yeah. Kind of clutch my hand, which is smashed and bleeding, and just oh, this is horrible. Oh God, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. I'm... Uh, you okay? No, I'm, I'm not do... bloody okay. I'm gonna do first just aid on him. I'm gonna drop the hammer and do first just aid. Stay away from me. You've done enough. I'll go and see the doctor. Thirty-five under forty. Um, I don't think uh, Mr. Fraser's going to let you get close to him after hammering his hand. <laughs> but if he does, oh. if he does, after a moment or two, uh, y- you can tell that his hand is, his left hand is pretty well mangled. Um, Richard just sort of looks over in the general direction and glibly says, um, that, that crowbar, did, did you sure you know how to use that? That's not a crowbar, son. I was using the hammer and wedge. You might want to be very careful what the next thing that comes out of your mouth is, Professor Courtney. Mr. Fraser, I recommend you go up to the house and see the doctor. Aye, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Professor, will you hold the wedge for me? Um, I'm feeling a a bit weak at the moment. Be a man. Hold the wedge and let us get in this bloody place. Mr. Fraser, Mr. Griffith, that is enough. If we've had quite enough of this shouting match, Mr. Fraser, you will go up to the house immediately to get your hand taken care of. You're no good to me if you bleed out or if your hand is permanently damaged because you didn't get it looked at. Now, where were we? Fraser will glare at you and he will, and he will swiftly turn and start walking up the, up the hill. You walk up to the house. The pulsing hasn't stopped in your hand nor up your arm. Um, but when uh, the gentleman of the house answers the door, he uh, immediately sees that you've been wounded and uh, he brings you into the, the kitchen there. Um, and he, he begins preparing. Uh, he doesn't ask any questions. He doesn't get excited. Um, he takes an even approach measured he does his best to attend to you uh, we've, we've we've had a wee accident down down, down the driveway there. it's uh, I cannot say I'm surprised he wraps the bandage left to right I will well a wee miscalculation in uh, distance and speed <laughs> he finishes wrapping it and um he asks if there's anything he can get for you. Perhaps a, a, a wee dram of something, if you if, if you have any in the house. Just settle my nerves. But of course. Fraser's kind of white as a sheet. Uh, you get actually something that uh, reminds you of home. Interestingly enough, 
uh, you get something rather Irish. Okay. Um, just settle in here, and uh, perhaps uh, dinner will be uh, ready shortly. Oh, and I mean, you, you don't need to go to any trouble. For I'll, I'll, I'll make my way back down again in a moment. Just maybe yeah, well. sit here for a wee minute. So back down at the uh, the hole, so to speak. Miss Spellinger, I'm beginning to think you're right in thinking this place has some sort of curse. That was my thought exactly. Well, we shall have to be careful. Uh, oh, yes, we will certainly have to watch after ourselves. I do hope Mr. Fraser will be okay. Yes, I do as well. As far as the door goes, um, are you going to have Professor Courtney hold it? Or are you going to just try to do it on your own? I'm going to do it on my own. Okay. Yeah, so I mean, it's still a strength roll. Still a hard strength roll. Uh, 47 under 80, so I will spend the 7 luck to go ahead and pop it. Okay. It takes you a couple of whacks, but you eventually pop the door open. Uh, there's quite a, uh, a shudder from the frame as the rust from centuries breaks loose. You get greeted by cool, damp air and a tunnel. Two things which you are very familiar with. Anyone got a torch? Well, it doesn't exactly go with this outfit, no. I have one in my bag, I think. <laughs> the leather satchel leather satchel I carry everywhere. Are you all coming? I'll go first. Well, yes, you don't think I'm going to stay out here in the cold instead of going into the creepy torture dungeon now, do you? And I believe there's safety in numbers, hopefully. Yes, I'm interested to see what it looks like in the modern day. I don't believe I could keep any of you out of here, to be honest. Mr. Fraser returns. Bandaged hand. It's open, Jim. And uh, he walks over to uh, Lady Elizabeth, say... Your ladyship, I, I, I do uh, apologize for my outburst earlier on. I was in a great deal of pain and uh, I wasn't quite myself and uh, it won't happen again. I quite understand, Mr. Fraser. That was quite a nasty wound you took there. I looked down at his bandaged hand. It was just an unexpected outburst from the both of you. So... Wild horses couldn't stop me, your ladyship. That's what I thought. As long as you're sure you're up to it. Well, I dare say I can be of some assistance. Very well. On we go. It's cold out here. Come on. You all make your way down into this tunnel. And you see that there's quite a bit of root that has grown between the tunnel uh, passageway. So... You take a little time to cut them free, so that way you can continue on, because there's there's no circumventing them. You'll have to go through them. You can see that these roots have pushed through some of the joints in the stonework here. They bulge like thick, pallid snakes. And it makes makes movement through the area pretty difficult. Each of these exposed roots seems to terminate in a five-way juncture, get this feeling like each juncture is a arm that ends in hands. The rooms which you come upon shortly thereafter 
to the left and to the right are, are empty. They're devoid of wine racks or old furniture. And you get the feeling that these rooms were used for something else entirely. Perhaps prison cells. Perhaps torture chambers. But there is no evidence of implementations. Not even a bolt on the wall where one might have been chained to. As you continue further in, the rooms get smaller and smaller. Until one where there's no way a a youth of 13 years could fit in such a place. Not comfortably. It's clear, though, that many suffered and many died. In one room, you see two skeletons chained together. One, the rotting bridal veil still held over their face. Well, this is a little disturbing. You going to continue forward? Of course. You continue forward and the tunnel, it, it narrows to a single section forward. And you begin to make out trace outlines, trace glows of color, aquamarine, velvet, orange. There's even a grass green. You see these colors are held by flowers, which hang from thick rose vines. There's almost a oily black sheen from the thorns on these vines. Flowers bloom all over from the skeletal remains that still here have made their their final resting place. Blooms from mouths and eye sockets. Didn't know such things could grow underground. In the midst of death we are in life, I suppose. Can I make a botany roll? To mm-hmm. know what um, what kind of flowers these are that are somehow blooming where there's no sunlight. Sure, absolutely. That is okay. That's that's thirty nine over thirty one. So I'm going to go for it and spend eight luck to make that <laughs> roll. Why not? All right. Um. So you spend. A little, a moment or two, analyzing the flowers here. You get an up close look at them, and it boggles your mind. They are roses, Mister Fraser. They are growing with no sunlight, with no trace of uh, what they, what they need, and yet somehow they grow, and they grow in colors that that make uh, no sense at all. And we're going to see now if your mind breaks because of it. So why don't you roll me oh, Great. Of course. I will love it forever if Mr. Fraser fails a sanity roll because he passed botany. <laughs> I was just so chuffed to be, get, get a chance to make a botany roll. <laughs> be careful what you wish for. Oh, no, this is all good. Right, so. Uh, yeah, um, uh, so. <laughs> I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I did fail a sanity roll quite conclusively. So you there in the, um, in the dim light provided by the sweeping back and forth of Lady Elizabeth's torch, you draw closer to these, uh, these roses, these 
multicolor, the violet one specifically draws your attention as you look at its blooms and its its petals, even some here that have scattered a bit on the ground at the edge of this, this collection of skeletons, these remains that are here, you realize that this is, this cannot be. And I take four points of sanity from you in that regard. Oh, okay. Oh, boy. <laughs> Just four, though. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Even so. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm very close to my breaking point here. Mr. Fraser just kind of stumbles back after he's been examining these these plants and um, he's, he's shivering and uh, sort of um, eyes are, are wide staring and his mouth is opening and, and closing but there's no sound coming out of it as he kind of backs away across the room, across to the, 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 you know, the wall on the other side. <sighs> Mr. Fraser? No, it's not right. It's not right. <laughs> no, 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 no. Can he be? Can he be? No. Mr. Fraser, do you need to go back to the house? I, this isn't right. We shouldn't be here. We should leave now. We should leave right now. There's something very, very wrong down here. Miss Bellinger, you catch sight of something glinting off of the light provided by the torch, something deep there within this bundle of roses. What's what's this over over here? And I will um, look to try to see it closer and move anything out of the way that I need to. If you go closer, Mr. Fraser's going to kind of move over towards you say, Miss Bellinger, no, 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 no. I, I wouldn't go anywhere near that if I were you. These are I'm beg- flowers. I'm, I'm begging you. No, no, no. I'm they're not, they're, they're not just flowers. flowers. They're not just flowers. They shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. Go- they, these these aren't natural. These are not natural. Well, clearly they're natural. Possibly they're a new discovery. This should be an exciting moment, Mr. Fraser, for no, discovering no. A, a new I'm begging you, Miss Bellinger. I'm begging you. Before. Please, please, no, 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 no. Maggie, go ahead and make me a dex roll. Okay. <laughs> My dex is real good, so... Uh, 67 under 85. You move the vines aside ever so carefully, realizing Mm -hmm. that the thorns on them are exceedingly long, and they also seem to ooze a bit with a a dark ichor. And what you expose is something fantastic. You expose a an arm. Oh, a beautiful mother of pearl colored fantastically artisan inlaid arm. The light provided by the torch dances over it in such a way where it it marvels. Your mind your eyes are drawn to every every detail point across the the knuckles and the wrist. It's beautiful. This is um, quite, quite beautiful. What have you found exactly? Can I pick pick it up? Can I grab it? Would you like to? Yeah, of course. Pick it up? Yeah, that's what I do. You take it in hand, and you feel an almost inexorable pull to it as you take it. You almost feel it as 
part of yourself mm. as you take it. It's wonderful. It's beautiful. Does it appear to be some sort of prosthetic? No, um, it, it, it's not uh, hollow. Well, the artisanship of it is quite fantastic. Uh, here, look. Do you think it's part of the statue? I'm not sure. I suppose it could be. How would we know if it was? Yes, that's a very good question. It looks somewhat out of place on its own. A, an arm. Once you remove it from the roses themselves, these vines roses, and, and you step back a bit, you all begin to see the petals on these roses ever so slightly begin to drop. Oh. Yes, I do believe this is connected to our search somehow. I believe it's likely part of the statue. The piece that they believed was still here. Yes. Well, if we have what we're looking for, we should go. Is there anything else uh, among these these flowers? Did you see anything else, Miss Bellinger? I, I don't believe that I did. Did I see I anything else, Mike? Mm, I mean, you must admit, you didn't see it before, but the room sure has collected quite a bit of ground fog. Oh. We must it's go. Strange that the fog's rolling in. Uh, the last yes. time we saw this fog, something terrible happened. We've got to go. Come on. Yes, uh, let's go. Okay. Gotta get out we'll before make the fog. It swirls around your feet. For those of you who wear dresses... You can feel the temperature change on your legs as you hustle out of this cavernous area. The fog swirls with you. As you break back into the estate proper, out through the steel door, past the roots, the fog escapes into the dying sunlight of Fussy. And that is where I will leave you. I thank you for joining us for our adventures this episode and i look forward to seeing you with the cast back likely not in the same mental condition next episode <laughs>